0: Welcome to the Artistic Finance Podcast, where we break down the wall between art and money. If you're here looking for how to be an artist and financially sustain a career, you're in the right place. Keep listening and join us as we learn about artists and how they make money work for them. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Ethan Simel, here for a special episode 17.4. Thank you for tuning in. Today's episode focuses on hashtag RedAlertRestart, which is an event this Tuesday, September 1st. Buildings across North America will be lit up red to urge Congress to pass the Restart Act to provide financial assistance to small businesses and to extend PUA, unemployment benefits, for displaced workers. We have participants in over 40 cities in North America, as well as our Canadian neighbors, including Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. We also have partners in Trinidad and Tobago. The reason we are doing this is because since March 2020, 77% of the people in our industry have lost 100% of their income, 96% of companies have cut staff, and 97% of 1099 workers have lost their jobs. Here to talk with us about his experience is Franklin Trapp, owner of the Forsberg Playhouse, the oldest continuously operating summer theater in New York State. Franklin started as an actor, including touring with the National Company of Annie, and seven years ago took over as artistic director of the Forsberg Playhouse, which next year, assuming live theater returns, will celebrate its 75th season. Without further ado, let's get to our interview welcome franklin trap to the podcast very glad to be here just for people in the future we're recording this on august 27th 2020 so we're amidst covid 19 and we're also amidst the black Lives matter reawakening that's right franklin could you give us a recap of your life to where you are right now
1: I've, I've had many many paths in life many many careers um but one of them i did work as an actor living in new york city auditioning touring shows regional theaters, and also had the opportunity to work at uh, a summer theater where I was able to work four summers and, and uh, learned how to direct and learned a lot about that business. It's called the Forestburg Playhouse, which is fairly relevant to our conversation. And then after a, you know, a nice sort of six-year six run in the theater, I decided to go to law school. And I did go to law school. And became a, a practicing lawyer in Atlanta, Georgia, for yet another six years there. Then the call of the wild came to me when uh, the playhouse was up for sale, the Forestburg Playhouse, uh, the aforementioned Forestburg Playhouse, <laughs> and um, and I saw a really exciting opportunity to uh, be a part of a business that was really special to me. So I decided to leave the practice of law, and um, I became the owner and producer of the Forestburg Playhouse, also a sister business, the Forestburg Tavern, which is part of the same property. So that's where I am today in 2020 in the Catskill Mountains in New York. Amazing,
0: and you might have said it and I missed it. How long have you uh, had the Playhouse? This would have been my, or this was my seventh season. Okay, fantastic. Uh, so now we know that you covered some of it, but could you describe your demographics for us?
1: Middle-aged, uh, <laughs> officially middle-aged. Um, I actually, um, I'm a combo, combo kind of guy. I have uh, Mexican heritage and German heritage. Grandmother was from Mexico, and I happen to speak Spanish fluently, which is which is fun. Um, and I'm a member of the LGBTQ plus community as well, and an artist. <laughs>
0: Amazing. We want to get to know your creative personality. So what is a live event that you like to experience?
1: Obviously, I'm a passionate fan of live theater, of course. I do love a good musical. Also, just love plays. But I think live live theater is probably my favorite. You know, concerts and live music are exciting, but there's just something really interesting about a a theatrical experience where the a story is really told um where that's yeah. the main focus of what's happening is storytelling I think
0: yeah I love it and here's a random side note I think an appeal for theater to to me is the silence if it's well
1: directed well acted well lit silence becomes one of the most powerful and telling moments in a show I mean if you think about Hades town when um Eurydice goes back to hell. The whole the lights like shift dramatically, everything's quiet, all the music that was constant is gone. You only just see her descending into into hell. And so it's one of the most shocking moments in and it's silence.
0: Absolutely. Um, okay what is a piece of art that you like?
1: Ooh that's good. I love La Persistencia de la memoria by Salvador Dali, The Persistence of Memory. It's the it's the painting with the the clocks that are melting. It's a really popular image. I love that. I love Picasso's blue, period. So those oh. are those are a couple
0: couple ranges for me. Spanish speaking. Interesting. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a theme in my life. So now your financial personality. Are you bad with money or are you are you good with money?
1: I'm good with money. I will make impulse buys. From time to time, like a playhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was an impulse buy for sure. Uh, but running a running a business has forced me to not only be good with money, but to understand the nuts and bolts of accounting and and being conservative from a money standpoint. Let's keep that clear. We're talking money. But at the same time, you know, I do spend money sometimes with a lot without logic, you know, for love or for Something you're passionate about. Do you need to go to the expensive restaurant? No, but is it amazing? Yes, you know. But business-wise, I'm very, yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with money. I think.
0: Yeah, amazing. Okay, so now I'm going to shift into COVID nineteen talk with the Playhouse. Uh, side question, because you mentioned that the tavern is a part of the Playhouse, or it's so so. Is the, is the Forsburg Playhouse is that nonprofit? How does that work with the tavern? So
1: the tavern is a is a for profit. It's an S corp, so it's a separate mm-hmm. business completely from the Forsberg Playhouse. The Forsberg Playhouse is a nonprofit corporation. The two entities do business with each other, though. For example, the tavern feeds, you know, our company members, and so then the Forsberg Playhouse pays the tavern for that food. Uh, That's sort of a, yeah. like a, a quick example of how of the relationship. They're but they are completely separate and distinct, but they both are on, you know, right next door to each other on the same.
0: Yeah. Okay. So random question about that is, does one of the companies own the property and the other one pays rent? Or how do you manage that?
1: That's a great question, Ethan. Um, (laughs) The structure, the business structure um, is like a triangle. The tippy top of the triangle, there is an LLC. I am the sole member of that LLC. The LLC Uh owns the property at 39 Forthburg Road, which is where we're located. And the nonprofit is a tenant and the tavern is a tenant, and both tenants pay rent so the LLC can pay the mortgage on the property.
0: Okay, amazing. And just to give people who don't know or have never been to the Forsberg Playhouse the scale of it. How big is your theater and sort of how many people do you employ on like a normal summer?
1: In a normal summer we have over a hundred staff members and that includes the actors, the technicians, the administrative staff, everybody and anybody, the directors, the musicians. So there's a lot of employees that come and go. The theater itself holds two hundred and seventy people. Throughout a summer we see over thirty five thousand patrons starting at the beginning of the summer and at, until the end of the summer. So there's a lot of activity at the Playhouse, a lot of payroll, amazing, <laughs> a lot of payroll. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so could you walk us through timeline of this year, like March from March up until now of the Playhouse and the Tavern?
1: The, the Tavern was a much easier thing to deal with, but the Playhouse which is the bigger employer and you know, a bigger economic engine. I would say, so once March happened, it was complicated and confusing and you have all these people anticipating jobs in the summer and, and all of these people anticipating your product, which are your shows. I would say over the course of two to three weeks, I had to plan out three or four different scenarios. And as we kept progressing through the month, month of March, you know, scenario A was, we're going to do business as usual uh scenario B was we're going to start later and maybe end later you know scenario C we're going to start eliminating shows and you know make the company smaller and try to figure out these things and as the weeks started passing by and we see what's going on we saw what happened to New York City and then the government really decided a lot of things for us. And I'm not going to say the federal government because they didn't. The state of New York provided guidance. And it was very easy after sort of seeing where we were going to realize we had to cancel our traditional summer season. I've done most of these things on my own, but I have great advisors and people to talk to and friends. And so I had to figure out what the process was that had to be in place before we canceled. The messaging is so important. Um, What do we do with the subscribers? What do we do with the gift certificate holders? All these things had to be planned out within an inch of their life so that we could cancel. And then we had to implement them. And at the same time, we had to look and see, can we do anything? What can we do? So there's sort of three games happening. Is there going to be some sort of a summer season? How do we maintain our presence and our brand, which meant online? (laughs) And then how do we handle the economic aspect of dealing with subscriptions? And oh, and a fourth, how do we raise money to survive? And a fifth, how do we apply for relief? So there were a lot of moving parts. And so finally we we had to announce, we dealt with the necessary things that we had to do. And immediately we implemented an online presence. Immediately a fundraising campaign was themed and prepared and put out into the, the universe. And then we watched New York shift it into phases of reopening, you know, came up with the idea of how can we do safe outdoor programming in our really, really beautiful garden area. It was in phases that we figured things out, but um it was certainly an interesting, stressful, sometimes creative time of life, <laughs> to be sure. Yeah.
0: Yes, you see thirty-five thousand patrons coming through per summer. It's what I call a one-man show. You do everything. And like you said, you have advisors. So the summer, you employ 100 people. During the off-season, is it just you? Uh,
1: it's me. It's maybe a, a handful. I mean, there might be three or four of us tops. I have a guy who does my marketing, who's with me all year long, and then my box office manager. So it's a small team. But fortunately, we were able to sort of create a team that got to work once we received PPP money. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Oh, this is just a silly question, but one I'm curious about. So you, you normally do seven uh, musicals and plays. You have to pay for the rights to all those, and you have to pay the rights in advance, I believe. Were you able to get refunds for having to cancel your season?
1: So what I did was is um, I did a rollover with the licenses. My dream scenario for next year is mount the season we had planned because it was a really good yeah. season. So some of the licenses were fully paid, so I just rolled them over. Some of them were in partial <laughs> partial stages of payment, so um, yeah. we rolled those over. But the, the licensing companies weren't, some of them weren't, were not going to give refunds. But there was mm. one big one was uh, MTI was really, really great to work with. They, they deserve gold stars for the way they handled this situation. Yeah. I think if I had talked with them, we could have gotten refunds. But I didn't feel the need to go there just yet.
0: So you, have, you avoided refund situations with every, thi- with every single show? You've rolled over every single one? Yeah. OK. And that answers a question I was going to ask, which is, what do you hope for next summer? Are you, are you sort of planning the full season? That's
1: scenario A. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're, um, we're, we're yeah. finishing our, our summer season you know, this weekend. And what's looming in the sky now is the big question mark of where will we be next May? In a delightful world full of unicorns and rainbows, we will have our full summer season, our crazy staff, seven musicals and plays, a children's show, cabarets, education. We'll have all that. But we have to think, what are the other options? Don't know yet. (laughs) Won't know for a while. We won't know for a while.
0: Yeah, and of course there's no way around it, but you have to do all that prep work in the off season, whether you're gonna open or not. You have to hire everybody.
1: And again, in the dream scenario, the people that were promised jobs before will be will be asked first.
0: Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Ooh, that'll be a complicated mess, but you got it. You're on it. <laughs> uh, so there's four hashtags roaming the world right now. Hashtag we make events, which is the mother company. And then there's hashtag red alert restart and hashtag extend PUA, which is the North American uh hashtags and then there's also a hashtag save our stages and this tuesday from 9 p.m to midnight local time a lot of stage hands and lighting companies are lighting up buildings in red all across north america and the hope is that people will take photos of all the buildings share them on social media with those ha- hashtags and sort of get the attention of congress which is is uh that's like their prep week before they go into session so the hope is to bring attention to the 12 million people who are out of work in the live event industry um, oh, and then, then it's encouraging the Restart Act, which is to extend PUA unemployment benefits, and then also provide forty-five percent of last year's revenue to small live event companies. Actually, I think it's any any small business. Yeah,
1: SOS um, is SOS also has the forty-five percent number in it too.
0: Okay, amazing. So that being said. <laughs> you don't you don't have to do anything but since i'm talking to you you should try to light up the playhouse in red or something like take a couple par cans out in oh, red no. and light it up and take a photo. i'll try i
1: mean that's on tuesday
0: yeah tuesday 9 p.m to midnight obviously you don't have to do it the whole time but if you just take them out light up the forestberg sign or something take a pic it would be cool
1: can i do a filter maybe do a red perfect filter oh filter.
0: you know what that's not a bad idea actually <laughs> anyway i don't you know i don't know how many people in Forestburg and monticello are care about it. But anyway, everything we can do. Um, Is there anything that people can do to help support small live event businesses like the Playhouse or like the Tavern? Do you have any advice for maybe local people or people anywhere in the nation or the world about what they could do to help these companies?
1: You have to look in your own backyard first and see what are the organizations that you didn't realize how much you and your community depended on, like the restaurants that provided wonderful food or music or um comedy or theater or you know the these different venues and you should go to their websites you should see what they're doing you should see if you can order takeout um every tuesday from a different place you should uh donate to the nonprofit theaters that are important to you or or in your community and you know they benefit the community i mean don't forget that theaters and and Theater, especially theaters have a massive economic impact on their on their communities. I mean the playhouse you may think of us as a, a little barn in the middle of Forestburg, but we have over you know a ten million dollar impact on our county um, just by doing what we do that 's a lot of money into yeah. the pockets of of taxpayers in the county and things like that. so I think donating is really, really important, and then gearing up to be an avid patron in 2021, so that these businesses can do more than just reopen, but they can bounce back. And those are real grassroots efforts, spreading the word about these places. It's so easy to get caught up in our own COVID bubbles and miseries, but these small businesses need our help. They're suffering. I've been very fortunate to get relief from the government. Doesn't mean my journey is over yet. We still have a long, long hill to climb. So... Pay attention to the social media, the website. If you're able, give give a little.
0: Yeah. And and some people have been making a point. Now, Forestburg Playhouse is a little bit of an anomaly because it's sort of in farmland. Right. Um, a lot of theaters and event venues, and even the Forestburg would be this, but it's like prime real estate these theaters are. And it's like if they close, somebody's going to buy that property immediately. That's also what's at stake is if all these theaters go under, that prime real estate is never going to become a theater again because it's not. It's not profitable. It would be better as a hotel or something like that, or a
1: TJ Maxx, or a you know who knows what. It's when you think of the impact uh, culturally that these theaters provide, it goes beyond the shows. It goes to education programs and um, collaborations with other nonprofits, and it's they're a fabric that can't be ripped out from under us. It, it would be tragic.
0: Yeah. Do you have any advice or encouragement for live event workers? actors or small business owners just to get them through to the next year?
1: From a legislative level, don't give up hope. I think the Save Our Stages Act could be a huge, huge help. So don't don't give up hope. Our, our Congress may just do the right thing. For those of us in the trenches figuring out what to do and how to do it, open yourself up to creativity. Don't get stuck in your old routines. We've had to recreate an entire new way of doing things this summer. And actually, I think I've learned more this summer than I have any other summer on how to be better at my job. Don't be too hard on yourself um, because it, this is hard. We can always acknowledge that. But we, and we can also remember that it's hard for everyone. So give yourself a break, please. We're going to get through this. And embrace creativity right now because that's what we got.
0: I love it. Where can people find out more about you or the Playhouse?
1: Google us. You might see some pretty cool articles and some major publications that came out this summer about what we did. So check check us out on social media or our website. Cool.
0: And on the website page for this episode, I'll have all those links. Great. Um, Franklin, thank you for sitting down and chatting with us.
1: Oh, my gosh. What a pleasure. And just to get to talk to you, Mr. (laughs) Steinle, is an honor and a privilege.
0: I will cut that out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You better not.
0: That was our interview with Franklin Trapp. My takeaways were, roll with the punches and adapt. Make lots of plans and eventually put them into action. If you want to help this Tuesday, visit wemakeevents.org. If you happen to be in the Catskills near Forestburg, go help Franklin light up the playhouse in red. And if nothing else, on Tuesday, please make an effort to take a photo of a building and post it with the hashtags redalertrestart, wemakeevents, and extend P-U-A. That's our episode. Please take a moment and find Artistic Finance on YouTube and subscribe. Each subscriber gets us closer to our goal of 1,000, which will allow us to run ads on our videos. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Find more information on our website, artisticfinance.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a rating and review. Artistic Finance is produced in New York City by Nicole and Ethan Steinle. Producing consultant Anne Nygren-Doherty. Graphics and website by Josh Cutler. Music by Chang Liu.